When it comes to God, there's something that all of us have a tendency to do. I do it, you do it, we all do it, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, all of us as human beings, it's a natural thing. We do it without thinking. It's something we do without even realizing it. Here it is. We all have a tendency to assume that God is like us. We all have a tendency to think that God likes what we like, that he dislikes what we dislike, that he agrees with us, and that we agree with him, and that he gets excited about the things we're excited about, and he gets angry about the things that we get angry about. And we do this when it comes to issues. We do this when it comes to looking at events that occur in the world. We do this when it comes to situations that happen in our own life. And man, do we do this when it comes to other people. Yeah, when we look at other people, we look at them and assume that God looks at them the same way we look at them and that God is thinking what we're thinking and that we're thinking what God is thinking. We assume that God is like us. In other words, another way you could say it is that when it comes to God, we all have a really big me filter. Me filter. Yeah. And, and it happens without us even realizing it. it. You know, it's even true for atheists. Now, not all atheists, but many atheists, for a lot of them, this is why they become atheists. It's because they look at what hap is happening in the world and they look what's happening in their own lives and things that they can't explain or don't understand or don't jive and line up with a good and loving God. And they make statements like this. How could a good and loving God do this or allow this? And here's what's going on beneath the surface, whether they realize it or not. They consider themselves good and loving, and because they themselves can't imagine someone who is good and loving allowing this or doing this, they certainly can't process that a God who would be more good than they, more loving than they, as any God would tend to be, would do or allow. So they conclude, then there must be no God. See, they are processing God through a me filter, and when it doesn't work, they throw out God. But you know Christians do the same thing? I've done the same thing. You've done the same thing. We look at the world, we look at our lives, and we say, you know, if I were God, and we may not come out and say it, even though a lot of Christians do, they, we think it. You, you know, I think God is doing this. Or I think God is going to do this. I tell you what God's up to. I tell you what's going on here. And what we're doing is we're describing what we think and what we would do if we were God according to our understanding. See, it's really hard for us to imagine. It's really hard for us to accept the fact that God would in any way disagree with how we think and how we process reality. And that he would disagree somehow with our viewpoint on things. And here's why this is dangerous. This is so dangerous. Because all of us have bias. All of us have opinions. And all of us have limited understanding. And we bring our biases and we bring our opinions and our limited understandings and we pass them off on God. And boy, does that get dangerous. Man, does that get tricky, and it is so unfortunate to see what happens when we do that. I, I came across a cartoon not too long ago that I think uh, kind of describes 
what, what we're talking about here. And, and it uses the cliche. Here we have a guy trying to push God into the box of a certain theology. And, and the caption reads, come on, God, get in there. Come on, God, get in there. Yeah, he's trying to put God in a box. Whether you realize it or not, and you need to really come to this understanding that you and I have a tendency to do the same thing. To try to push God into boxes of our thinking and boxes of our understanding and boxes of our opinion. And it is even tainted by our own biases. Whether we want to admit we have some or not, we all have a tendency to want to put God in a box. Problem is, God's way too big for a box. God's not just outside the box. God is beyond boxes. God's way too big, way too incredible, way too great to be pushed into any kind of box of a theological system. God cannot be pushed into the box of your assumptions or your expectations. No, he cannot be contained. He cannot be explained with hearsay and traditions. You cannot put God in the box of any of these things. He is beyond boxes. And yet, we have a me filter. And we assume that God is like us. And we assume that God is like me. And we, and, and we assume that God is like you. Yeah. And when we begin to discover that God is not like us as much as we thought he was, and that we're not as much like God as we thought we were, when we begin to understand that God is not as much like us as we once thought, it gets really frustrating. It's very unsettling. It will challenge your thinking. It will upset your theological framework and system. It will rock the boat of your religious stabilities. Yeah. When we come to grips with the truth that God is beyond boxes and we wrestle with the truth that we often assume that God is like us. I can remember dealing with this myself and from time to time I still wrestle with it. But for years, for years, even as a, as a pastor, a younger pastor, I, I really thought I had God figured out. Now, I would have never said that. I, I would have never come out and said that because I know what that sounds like. That's so arrogant. It's so egotistical. That's so prideful. But even though I wouldn't have said that, deep down, and I didn't even realize I thought that. I didn't even realize that, that I had that assumption, but I really did. I had a theological framework, a religious system. I had an outline in my head that pretty much explained who God is and what God does. What God doesn't do, and here's why. And I would go to the Bible, and I could prove it. And I had the Bible kind of chopped up into a theological system and framework that, that I felt like pretty much explained everything that needed to be explained. And then about 10 or so years ago, I began to see the cracks forming in the box, the system that I was trying to push God into. And I began to realize, wait a second, this doesn't fit, and it's not fitting, and it's not working, and God is not playing well with my system that I have made for him. God is not playing well in the box that I have created so nicely for him 
It, it just doesn't work. And I begin to discover, and as I began to discover that God was not exactly what I always thought or who I always thought I had figured out, it was very unsettling. In fact, I'll, I'll be transparent enough with you to let you know it was frightening to me. And for a while, I was like, I don't know, I don't know. If, if I'm asking this question, then what does this mean? And I thought I had this figured out, and I thought I had God all, all pegged, you know, and I, I, thought, I thought this was all buttoned up. And I began to discover that God was way bigger than I thought, much greater than I had ever imagined. And I discovered, and it challenged me, and it frightened me, but here's the deal. It freed me. It is so freeing to know that God is not limited by a box that I make or you make or that anybody makes. He is not limited by a bias or an opinion or my limited understanding that God is beyond all of our boxes. And I am still discovering the greatness and the magnificence of who God is more than ever. I'm still learning and I'm still growing. Now, I know that may disappoint you. You might be thinking, oh man, what's up with our pastor? I thought he had this figured out. Well, if you're looking for a pastor that has it all figured out, you're looking at the wrong pastor because it ain't me. And the more and more I learn about who God is, the more and more I learn that I have so much to learn. But what I'm learning is so freeing and so amazing. So with that said, with that said, understanding that we all have a tendency to assume that God is like us, and that creates a problem. Let's come back now to the story of Jonah, because this is exactly what Jonah was doing. Jonah assumed that God was like him, or at least God should be like him, and God was being processed through Jonah's me filter, which what's caught, this is what caused the problem to begin with for Jonah. And what I want us to do in this last week of this series, is I want us to understand some things that we learn about God in the story of Jonah. And again, we've kind of been through the details for a couple of weeks, so we're not going to go through the whole story again. I'm just going to pull out some highlights here, some things that I believe teach us some very important things about God, things that maybe we didn't assume, maybe we didn't see, maybe we didn't understand, but some things we must understand and know. I want to show you what we see about God's view and God's response to Nineveh, the city of Nineveh that was so evil, and to Jonah himself. So, so let me point out some things. Let me go back to the very beginning of the story, and we will see God's first response, his initial response to this whole thing. The very beginning of the story, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh, Nineveh, it's Nineveh announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked people are. God's first initial response was one of judgment. Now, it's very important that you, you listen very carefully because as soon as you hear the word judgment, and we'll come back to this in a few minutes, and as soon as I hear the word judgment, we immediately, immediately fill in the blank with what we think that's about. Again, because we process God and God's judgment through a me filter. Oh, yeah, he's getting ready to lower the boom. Oh, yeah, he's going to drop the hammer. Oh, yeah, it's getting ready to get ugly. Because, uh, see, see, this story ends very well for the people 
of Nineveh. But the whole response up front was, God says, I am going to bring judgment to Nineveh. And to understand that the word judge means to bring into account. And when you are bringing into account any situation, you always have to take God into account. And when you take God into account, he just might surprise you, as we will see. And so Jonah goes to Nineveh. He tells them what he needs to tell them. They hear the message of God. They change their minds. They repent. And as a result, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, God changed his mind. Now we're looking at God. We're learning about God. We're seeing that God's initial response was one of judgment. I'm going to bring their actions into account. And now we see kind of a different facet of who God is. He is changing his mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he threatened, that they thought was coming their way. And as we saw in the last two weeks, this greatly upset Jonah. He was so frustrated by this because it wasn't fitting into the box, into the system that he had created for God and that he felt like God needed to fit into. And so Jonah got really upset with God. And, but notice, in Jonah's response to God, we learn a little bit more about who God is that was blowing, blowing away the boxes, blowing away the assumptions. Jonah says, I knew, I knew it. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, merciful, compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. Hey, do you know what unfailing love means? It means love that doesn't, that's right, fail, doesn't quit, doesn't give up. You are eager. God, you're so eager to turn back from destroying people. Isn't that different than the me filter, the assumptions we often have of God? Yeah, you ask God, you ask people in the culture about God, you ask people even in church about God, and the word judgment comes up. Yeah, they think lightning and disaster and hellfire. Boy, yeah, they think of all kinds of awful things. But Jonah said, you know what, God? You drive me nuts with this because you're so eager. You're so eager to not destroy people, not destroy people that may even deserve to be dealt with harshly. God, you're so eager. Isn't it true that in our culture and even in churches, the assumption we make of God is that he's eager to blow them up. He is so eager to wipe them out. He is so eager to destroy them and let them have it. Give them a taste of their own medicine. Don't you mess with God. God will have the last laugh. That's what we assume God is eager to do. And Jonah said, God, I know you. I know the real you, God. You're so eager to not destroy people. Now, I want to show you one more thing. Okay, we're learning about God here. What, what about God blows away our boxes? Is beyond the box. And we often assume he's like us, but he's not. There's one more thing God tells Jonah that lets us a little bit of insight into, into who God is. Towards the end of the story, God says to Jonah, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not even to mention the animals. He says, Jonah, there's 120,000 people there in desperate need of me. They're living in spiritual darkness. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? 
Jonah, when you look at them and you see the spiritual need, doesn't it just make sense that I would want to save them, that I would want to rescue them, that I would be very hesitant to do anything but rescue them, that I would go out of my way? And Jonah, have I not gone out of my way? I mean, because when you rebelled and you wanted to go to Tarshish and you, and you got on a ship and you tried to outrun me or outsail me and, and they threw you overboard, I came and got you. I came and rescued you, Jonah, because you still need saving too. So we saw that last week. Jonah, I came and I got you because I was not going to give up on the people of Nineveh. And Jonah, I was not going to give up on you. Guys, which is good news, which means God doesn't give up on me and you when we go Jonah, and our culture and our world when it's a lot like Nineveh. So you look around, it, it's, it's pretty clear. We live in a very Nineveh-like society in that it is so evil. Yeah, there's a lot of great things about our world too. A lot of beautiful things, a lot of great things about people too. But there's a lot of evil in this world. There's a lot of issues and there's a lot of stuff going wrong. And many people assume with their me filter, with their God in a box, that God is just getting ready to blow it all away. That God is sitting ready on go with his finger on the big red button up there in heaven somewhere. And he's like, I'm about ready. I'm about ready. I've taken all I can take. And we assume with our me filter and our boxes, that God is like that because that's how we would be. And that's how we often are. But what we learn about God from the story of Jonah that blows away boxes and, and that it's way beyond anything we want to assume is that God is, now this is gonna seem simple, but we're gonna unpack this. God is just and merciful. God is just and merciful. God is just in that, yes, God does and will judge. He will call to account all things and all people, just like he did Nineveh and just like he did Jonah when Jonah rebelled against him and ran away in disobedience. But understand this, when you and I hear the word judge and judgment, let me come back to something I started talking about a few minutes ago, let me finish it. We have a filter, a me filter, and we think about God's judgment. We think about judgment the way we understand judgment. Lower the boom. Understand this. When it comes to judgment, there's two different kinds. There's retributive judgment and restorative judgment. Now, I know those are big words, but retributive judgment is all about judging for punishment. It ends in punishment. Ends often in destruction. On the other hand, there is restorative judgment so that when you bring this category of judgment, bring things into account, people are restored. Situations are restored. Things get better. Things get healed. Things and people get rescued and turned around. Retributive, restorative. You and I, when we think judgment, we almost always think retributive. God's going to let them have it because they deserve it. They're evil people. They don't live right. They don't think right. They don't vote right. They, they're just not right. They're just not right. God's going God's to get them. God's going to get them. You watch. You watch. I'll tell you, it's coming. It's coming. But, but you need to know this. More times than not, what you will find throughout the scriptures is that God's judgment is meant to be restorative. And all you have to do is look at the cross of Jesus to get a glimpse of that. 
That God's judgment is meant to be restorative, to bring people back to himself. He, will, he won't let people get away with evil. No, he's going to bring that into account because he wants to bring people to himself. He's going to deal with it. And people will answer for it. But not just so, not so that he can wipe them out. No, that he can save them and rescue them. And that's good news for us. And because God's judgment is mostly of the restorative kind, we see that he's not just just, he's merciful. God is just and just as merciful as he is just. Just ask Jonah. You see, Jonah disobeyed God. Jonah ran away from God. And instead of God lowering the boom in retributive justice and judgment, and when they throw him overboard thinking he's going to drown, God could have judged him retributively with punishment and just let him drown. Just let him go. I'm going to find me somebody else. I'm done with Jonah. But he didn't do it. What did God do? We, we saw this in week one. God, the scripture says, prepared, he arranged for a great fish. So since God knew this was getting ready to happen, he got a fish ready, a great fish, something like a whale maybe, to get ready to swallow Jonah up. And the three days and nights that Jonah spent in the belly of this great fish was mercy. God was restoring him. Yeah. Just ask the people of Nineveh who God spared, who God saved. God is both just and merciful, but here's the point. He's just and merciful and more just and more merciful than you and I are often comfortable with. And it blows our boxes out of the water. And and it's beyond any category we have. And it it upsets our, our systems and our categories and our hearsay and our tradition and our expectations and our assumptions. That God is just, yes, and he is merciful, but understand, he is more just than we are comfortable with, and he is more merciful than we are often comfortable with. And I know immediately what you and I begin to think, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know how, I know about God's justice, yeah, I know. Because we process God through a me filter. We think, and we assume that God is like us. But see, God is more just than we are comfortable with, especially when God's justice And judgment and bringing into account is focused on us. Yeah, God being just gets really uncomfortable when it's focused on me and when it's focused on you. Yeah, when it's focused on us, we we want mercy. We want mercy. This this just thing, see, God is just, and he's more just than you and I are comfortable with, and, and we experience that when it's pointed in our direction. But at the same time, God is more merciful than we are comfortable with, especially when God's mercy is pointed at other people. I don't know. I don't think they deserve, nah, you know what? God, I can't believe we're just like Jonah. God, I can't believe you rescued them. I can't believe they got a second chance. I can't believe they got a third second chance. God, I can't believe. I, I, I just can't get my mind around it, that, that they're being blessed. It makes us uncomfortable. The fact that God would be so merciful to people that we think should be judged retributively and punished. You see, here's what you need to know and I need to know. Here's an uncomfortable truth, but it's good news for us. God's posture to people, God's position and response to people, and I'm talking about evil people, is more redemptive and more restorative 
than we can possibly imagine. I want to say that one more time. God's posture towards evil people is more redemptive. Search the scriptures. It's more redemptive and more restorative than you and I could possibly imagine. It blows our boxes away. And that is good news for us. I know some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute. What about the judgment of God? There we go again. Doesn't God judge? Yes, God always will bring things into account. Yes, but don't assume you know what that judgment is going to be about. And always understand that God is just as merciful as he is just. And both, more, more than we are comfortable with. In other words, God will surprise you how just he is, and he will surprise you how merciful he is. And those are not in conflict to each other. Those are two facets, just two facets of an almighty, unfailing love, immeasurable grace, unmatched holiness kind of God. Now, the deal is Jonah thought God was going way overboard in his response to the people of Nineveh. And, and God was, God was. But, but please understand that God was also going way overboard in his response to Jonah. Like we saw last week, Jonah was still in need of saving. Like we saw last week, you and I are still very much in need of saving and rescuing in our own lives. And so Jonah was upset because he thought God went way overboard, and he did, to both Nineveh and Jonah, which is good news for me and you, which means God is the kind of God who goes overboard for us. Overboard for us. And that is never more clearly seen than in the person of Jesus. You see, when God wanted to fully display to the world who he was and what he was like, he sent his son Jesus, who was literally God in flesh and bone. And so if you want to know what God is like, just read about Jesus. If you really want to know the clearest picture to understand who God is and what he's like and how he thinks and what he does and how he responds, then study the life of Jesus and you've got the clearest picture the world has ever and will ever seen. And you know what John writes about Jesus? That Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. Jesus wasn't 50-50, half grace, half truth. He was full of grace and full of truth. He was all grace and all truth, all at the same time, all the time, to all people, which made people very uncomfortable. To the people, and there are people in churches, and maybe you're one of these people, you're a truth person, right? Let's give them the truth, give them the truth, give them the truth, tell it like it is, tell it like it is. Then you get really uncomfortable with how gracious Jesus is. By the way, until you need grace. Or, or maybe you're a grace person and you're just like, oh, just be gracious, just be gracious, just, just let it, no, just don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. No, you would be really uncomfortable with how truthful Jesus was. So it's not either or, it's both and, and it's both and to the point of making the rest of us feel very uncomfortable and ultimately that's why Jesus was killed. That's why he was crucified. What about you? What about you? What about us? Two questions. I'm going to wrap this whole thing up just with a couple of questions of reflection. First question. 
How do you think God is like you? How do I think God is like me? Yeah. I mean, every time you assume or say what you think God is doing or not doing, what you think God is up to or not doing, as you size up what's happening around you in the world, in the lives of others, or even in your own life, you need to be thinking, wait a second, is this truly God? Or is this me and the box that I have made for God based upon my bias, my opinion, and my limited understanding? Is this truly God or is this just my box, my system that I've created for him? As you watch the news, as you go online and you kind of size up current events in our world, and you go from COVID-19, oh, you know what God's doing? I know what God's up to. I know what's really going on here. Whoa, 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 whoa. You have a me filter you need to pay attention to. And is this truly God you're speaking for? And I, I know you have a Bible verse. I get it. I get it. I understand. But, but <laughs> people have used Bible verses to say all kinds of crazy things out of context in our history. So just because you have a Bible verse for something doesn't mean you have much if you've taken this thing out of context. Oh, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. Wait, you're speaking for God here or is this just you? Know the difference. And when you know the difference, you'll be very hesitant to speak on behalf of God. As you look at the racial tension in our world and the riots and the protests and the violence and all of those things that are so clearly not what God has called us to as followers of Jesus. It's very easy for you as a Christian, for me as a Christian, people in church, God-fearing folk, to look at that and go, oh, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. I know what God's up to. I know what God's going to do. You know what God's about to do? Here's what God's about to do. And we'll see something on the news and we'll say, that was God. That was God. That was God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Aren't, aren't you? Isn't it interesting that when we make these kinds of statements, they almost always line up with the things that we think and the things that we would do if we were God? Because we're not paying attention to the me filter. We must admit that we look at God and we often remake him in our image instead of allowing him to continue to form us more and more into his image. Just wrestle with this. Just sit with this. How do you think God is like you? That's convicting, isn't it? It's convicting for me. Next question, last question. How can you then become more like him? Specifically, more like Jesus. Because remember, if you want to know what, Jesus, what God is like, you look at Jesus. And God sent Jesus to display the fact who he is and what he's about and how to get to know him, how to live like him. So, how do you need to become more like him? Are you willing to admit your tendency and my tendency to want mercy for ourselves but justice for everybody else? Are, are we willing? Are we willing to step into the uncomfortable zone of being more just with ourselves than we are comfortable with and more merciful with others than we are comfortable with? Are, are, are we ready and willing 
to do the hard work and the messy work of going overboard when it doesn't make sense, going overboard to care for people, going overboard for others, going overboard when it doesn't make sense to the status quo and when everybody else is saying, no, lower the boom, let them have it. Are are, are you ready to join Jesus? Because Jesus is the most accurate reflection of who God is to join Jesus in going overboard for the sake of others. That's what God did for Nineveh. That's what God did for Jonah when he refused to help God do that for Nineveh. And that's how God treats me. And thankfully, that's how God treats all of us, you included. So how do you think God's like you? Be careful. He's not outside the box. He, he's beyond boxes. So just throw away your box. Throw away your boxes. And and then accepting that, reflect on how now can you become more honoring to the example of Jesus? Because that's what I've been called to. That's what you've been called to. That's what we've all been called to, living in this world that often looks a lot like Nineveh. But remember, God's purpose for Nineveh And God's purpose for me and God's purpose for all of us is that he wants to rescue us. He wants to save us. And he intends to do just that. Let's be grateful. And let's learn from this story. Let's embrace the heart of our heavenly father, even when it's uncomfortable. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this story, famous story, controversial story, layered story, and there's so much to learn. We're we're a lot more like Jonah than we want to admit. Help us to learn from his bad example. And Father, we learned so much about you. In ways that make us uncomfortable even, we don't know what to do with the fact that you are more just than we're comfortable with and the fact that you're more merciful than we're comfortable with. So God, help us to just accept that, to sit with that and learn and grow and discover what that means instead of trying to put it into an outline, put it into a box, put it into a system so that it feels neat, nice and easy and we can explain it all and understand it all. God, you made it clear. Your ways are past finding out and way beyond how we think and way beyond how we understand. And we're just beginning to scratch the surface. So may we be humble as we discover more and more about who you are and we learn and we grow. And as you shape us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus, forgive us when we try to remake you into our image instead of allowing you to make us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus. Father, help us all to join Jesus in going overboard for others. In Jesus' name, amen.